When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I'm keen to ask Kingy about the player wages that were, were released yes. this week. And Do you love player wages? Well, I just want them. I just want all the information on the table. I just want to make an informed, rational <laughs> Hang comment. On. What? Comment. You want to start want something to, new with with all with all the information in front of me. Just a new rather policy, rather than a selective set of numbers that are vague and they, but that's not what I wanted to ask you. Do our best players earn enough is, is what I wanted to ask you. So if, if six players earn over a million and there was a lot between 900 and a million and there's a lot between, you know, the next brackets, are our best players earning enough? I think everyone says no. Um, I'm not too concerned about those at the top. I think the ones that get squeezed are those in the middle. Mm. That, are, that are good AFL players, you know, seven and a half out of ten type AFL players, they get squeezed. And, and the, the 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 wild swings between what one player who's who's seven out of ten gets mm. at one club might be closer to 200,000. And that same player at another club, whether it be a new franchise in the, in the yep. Suns or the, or the Giants, they might get closer to 550. And they're mm. effectively the same player. So I think the swing is in there. Do they get enough at the top end? Probably not. But this, this is probably – when you've got 44 on a list, this mm. is what happens. So this is why – I still come back to Eddie McGuire's theory. I, I, we've got too many guys who just eat bread rolls. They just – they hang around your footy club. The, the, the bread roll eaters are there every game. They re- is this players or – Players, yeah, yeah, players. I mean, they, you could look at every list – every year and say there's five guys that are not going to play this year. Mm-hmm. You've got to still provide for those guys. You've got to still develop them. If you had smaller lists and were able to add to those lists through the year to top up, then I think you'd end up with a better pay structure. Yep. I mean, if, so you, the, if, if you played the, in a feeder competition and come in and were given 10 grand for an AFL game, but you play, if you were not required, you played in a feeder comp. And you only yeah. played the top. You've only paid significantly the top thirty odd players. I, I think you'd end up with more money for the yeah, top end. You're probably right. I, I just had Richmond's list up in front of me because we're going to look at them a little bit later on. They had seven players that didn't play a game on their list. Yeah. So you, your number your numbers probably stack up, and then you would get more for those that actually What's really the number? bring us to the game. Um, what on do you, what to- do you want them to make? Um. So, so, so who, you, so who you, you're talking about, Dustin Martin, you're talking well, about? Well, my thought is that there's so many earning between six and 700 and those players are nowhere near as good as the best players. So I, I think there could be less, so more earning less, so more around that sort of 500 and that money from there goes to the top end who then get their 1.5s and... They're the ones that are going to decide games and, and put the bums on seats, do the marketing material so 1. and all of that and promote the game. Yeah, I reckon. I think that's yep. – pro- there, there, sh- there should be 15 players earning 1.5. I think like the top We've talked top about 15%. this before. We've, talk, we've discussed different ways of achieving this. What, what if you took your top 
paid player per club out of the salary gap. Mm. Like a franchise player. So you just that player, his, his number, whatever it, whatever the arrangement is, is not going in. And you can move that player around year on year so you can satisfy that top earner. Um, I think that, that was one way we come mm. up with. But, you know... Is that a way of attracting a free agent? Is that, is that another way of creating movement? That you can go after the opposition's second best player and mm. pay him whatever you want to pay him? The other one is the music runs because we've got 25 seconds, seconds before we automatically go to the news that I want to talk about is there are some third-year players getting way too much money. And I want to give you an example about that on the other side of this. And there's a simple solution hey. how to fix that. Uh, we'll get to the sports news shortly. Just want to get back just to that last and, and put a full stop on the discussion we had about the pay. So interviewed Jace McCartney last night and, and they've had trouble, the Giants, and, and also Gold Coast in retaining those third-year players. So players that are high draft picks, Kingy, they've got enormous of talent, but their uh, proven performance hasn't warranted a big contract yet. But Gold Coast and the Giants have to pay it because you've got some club in Melbourne that'll go, OK, we'll give... Tanner Bruin, a big deal, or or, or a player such as that, Jackson Haley, or, or someone someone like that. Or if it wasn't Jack Lacocious re-signing, there would have been an Adelaide club that would have offered him a truckload of money in his third year. Don't we just cap what you can earn in your first four years like they do in the NBA and the NFL? So if, you, if you're a first-round draft pick, for four years it's bracketed. You get... You get 100 for your first year plus match payments. Second year goes up. If you play a certain amount of games, it, it's obviously a little bit more that you can earn. But for four years, that club knows your wage is locked in. And not only that, you have to sign them to a four-year contract. That would solve a lot of problems for clubs having players poached, but not only poached, being forced to pay to keep them more than they should. Like Finn Callahan's played five games. They're recontracting him now. And Jace McCartney says, we have to pay him more than he's worth. I said, well, he's played five games. You know, why do you have to? He said, well, you know, another club will pay him if we don't. Mm. But if your pay structure is locked in for four years, like it is in the NBA, the NFL, then that club takes a bit of stress over having to overpay players who haven't yet achieved that much. I think this, I think it comes back to, I don't think you can achieve it by doing that. I don't think that the capping their money like that actually achieves anything. It just puts more pressure on the next year. And the number will go through the roof the next year. So when, in the fifth year, in in their or their fourth year yeah. or their fifth year. Yeah. But I think the only way to do it is to is to raise the the drafting age, and then at least the problem comes when you've got a known product. Mm. The problem is pl- players are getting big money that are not contributing, that, that actually have no impact on your your twenty two, whether they're either selected or not. Yeah, Jack Bowes last year was getting big money and not contributing. Really, yeah. essentially, yeah. if he's playing good footy yeah. and earning his keep. No one's blueing, and, and he's probably probably satisfied in himself and, and likely to stay. But when they're mm. when they're unsatisfied, not in your twenty-two or not performing to their levels, or certainly the levels you're paying them, that's where the problems come. All right, you're, you're always going to have players come out. Like South South Australian clubs, why wouldn't they be going after? Clearly, they've just got Horn Francis and Rankin back. Mm. They would have hooks in the South Australians. Like, Will everywhere. Day is a great example. Yeah. He's reportedly put contract talks on hold. They would be into him like you would not believe. Both of them would love to get him back, and that's right. But but also someone like Finn Callahan already St Kilda have got. There's uh, been reports that they'd love to get him. Of course they would. And that forces the Giants to pay for a guy who's played five games, who's been injured, and they don't necessarily know if he's going to be good. They think he will be, yeah. but they don't want to pay him 
Seven hundred grand because he's played five games and hasn't contributed so yet. This is the discussion. Everyone says, "Oh, how can the Gold Coast find themselves in the position they were in last year, where they have to give up a first round pick and a player?" Well, because they've had to give Ben King thirty percent overs. They've yes. had to give Real money ahead of time. They've had to give Lecocious. Anderson's another one. He's going to cost them a fortune. Yeah, you know, and while all this is going on, Miller's your best player, and and he must be thinking, "Well, how come these guys are mm, already mm. where I'm at, and I'm six years more experienced?" Uh, and Kingy, just briefly, you were out to another couple of clubs this week. Yes, going to have a look at uh, I think the Saints this morning. Uh, okay. Bombers, Bombers played. Uh, I think they played six fifteen-minute uh, sixths or periods uh, the other night, yesterday, and then I saw the Hawks during the week. Um, trying to think who else I've seen. But there's yeah, getting around and having a look at a few. Yeah. Um, Anything strike you from uh, Essendon initially? I guess it's about fitness and. A, about a bit of ball movement and you get an indication of some some things. But when they're playing against each other, it's not easy to pick up no, a lot well, of stuff, is it? No, I think you still see a fair bit. One thing you do see is the health of the list. And yeah. it was great to see um, Peter quite Wright. a few back. Peter Wright looked fantastic. Had Stringer look. Um, yeah, I know you're hot still on Stringer. Still heavy? You're hot on him. Well, just, leave, just leave him alone for Still a heavy? We saw Wiedemann out there in the forward line, which was uh, pleasing to see. Didn't do a lot, but just to have him back out there was great. Speaking of the Bombers, yep, I've got a thought on them after 7 o'clock. Oh, because, wow. I look, I, I, I really – because if players didn't say anything to the media, I'd be critical. So I, I get my hypocrisy on this. So I get it. If they, if they said nothing and they gave straight you know, forward defence, David Warner style, get LBW, and they said nothing, I'd be critical. And when they do say something, someone say, well, you're critical of them saying something. But does any team talk more and deliver less than the Bombers, is what I'll say. I want to read a quote to you <laughs> after 7 o'clock. <laughs> Something Zach Merritt. And I, Zach, so what look, do you want? I well, I'm that's, confused. That's, that's, the, that's the question. But I want action. I don't want words, it's particularly out difficult. of Essendon. It's, not. <laughs> it's getting very difficult to get guests it's, on it's, if you're <laughs> going to do this. <laughs> I've had no trouble getting guests on, really? surprisingly. Yeah. Okay. Called Harris Andrews 65 and he still came on the show. <laughs> How good's that? But I, d- does any team talk a bigger game and deliver less than the Bombers? I want to ask you that question after seven o'clock. Kingy's here. Good morning, Kingy. Morning, Cornsy. I'm, I'm, I must admit, I'm a bit nervous about our next discussion point. I think it's going to get a significant amount of feedback. Um, you're going to upset the Essendon fan. I, I feel I like don't you're targeting care. Essendon. I don't. No, I'm not. I don't, I'm not targeting anyone. I just feel like the hype around Essendon every year is out of control and they're a team that does a lot more talking than they do acting so and i've i've actually been complimentary of brad scott's language this preseason. he's just calmed things down he's put expectations low young group you know new game plan more defensively minded all that and he's just he's just poured cold water on the expectations which was smart but then i see yesterday uh, zach merritt's done a sit down with with fox footy and he's one player who you know, holistically, he's, he's been a consistent performer. So to, to single him out is is perhaps unfair, but he spoke about the fact that he had to park his ego a little bit. He felt um, the system was working for him because he played some good footy, but he changed his whole program last year from when he finished. He got fitter. He got a few more PBs. He readjusted his whole gym program to cater for the way I wanted to run. My attitude and mindset was very much being around the best defensive player at the club from day one, and he's driven that extremely hard, but he also did it without talking about it, and the guys have noticed the shift. I don't want to read that Zach Merritt 
has changed his game to be the best defensive player at the club. I want to see it. And I want to see it from his teammates because he also spoke about the fact that they were the worst defensive team in the competition. And I've heard that so many times. In fact, when they were 2-9 and nine last year, Zach Merritt wrote an exclusive column for the Herald Sun. They're 2-9 and nine and he spoke about that and how they're going to drive harder standards. It was the week leading into the 150-game celebration, which you'd remember. He said it's such an important day for the club. Well, they got smashed again. I remember Andrew McGrath going on 3RW and sitting down and saying they're going to challenge each other at the same point in the season and be harder and be defensively harder to score against. They weren't. And then Jake Noel did an article, and, and I love Jake's work about how yesterday in, in The Age about how they've readjusted their defensive setups and they're going to be harder to score against and they're going to guard space and all that. You could have read the same article about Ben Rutten and John Warsfold from years before. Essendon do too much talking, Kingy. Is that harsh? No, it's not harsh, but I think we ask clubs to let us in a little. And, and mm. what are you working on? He would have been asked, Zach, you've, you've won three best and fairest. You're a two-time All-Australian. You've been, you've been around for a, quite some time now. What is he, 27 years of age? Be, what, yeah. What's happening with your game? Bang, he would have given an answer. What's happening at the club? Bang, he gives an answer. So those little grabs are unfair in, in isolation. Because he's just answering what the what the fans he, it, want to know. The Essendon fans want to know what's changed. So he has to give an answer. So, but we've heard it before. I, like and I, that's why coaches have come and gone, because they haven't lived their end of the bargain. Yeah. They've had Heard, Thompson, Warsfold, Rutten, Scott. They've, they've, they've had change. One thing Essendon probably need is stability and a program that, that has the full backing of everyone on, at, at the Essendon Football Club. I feel like they haven't had that for years. There's been splintering groups here and there and whispering behind people's back. I mean, it's just mm. an uncomfortable environment for the players to perform under. Um, so I, I, I agree with him a little bit. There is a fair bit of change this at the moment. Uh, what does that look like? Well, he would be best placed to tell us rather than us tell him. And you I can't would rather wait to see it. it. Yeah, well, you, you might see it. You might see it in round one. You mightn't see it till round 10. If they had have said, look, I, I understand we have spoken a lot about being better defensively in the past and mm. we haven't delivered on that. As a playing group, we haven't. So we've done a lot of talking and for whatever reason, despite our best intentions, we haven't been able to buy in as a group defensively. We are hoping to change that this year. But until we put it into action and until we play against real opposition, we won't know how far we've come with that work. Rather than tell me you're going to be the best defensive player at the club, because I haven't seen that from Zach. I haven't seen them adjust their defensive system as much as I've heard about it for the last 10 years. And as much as there's hype everywhere in relation to the Bombers, I want to see it with my own eyes rather than read it in an article. Yeah, I agree with that. And I, and I think that when you look at what they're doing through pre-season, they are ad clearly addressing that. The, the zoning play, challenging their midfielders to do more, their wingmen to get back first. They've got – there's a there's a priority on, on defence first. Mm. They've always been an offensively geared team. And I do think they'll retain some of that even if they don't, if they don't train for it. Um, but if your leaders aren't doing that, you're gone. So for Merritt to do it is it, not a shock for me. It should be the standard. It should be yep. a given. It shouldn't be a conversation, which I guess what is, is your point. Um, do you just want to see it? Well, you're going to have to wait till you know mm. mid-March to do mm. that. To but I want that. that. Yeah, I'd love that admission from them. But I just, just as I said, like we, we, I understand we've spoken a lot in the past, and we've, you know, we've spoken about being better defensively, and we haven't been able to 
put that into practice. Hopefully, Jeez, a few clubs are going to fall foul of this little rule you've well, come up with. Just, Essendon's, it's not. It's not a rule. It's just like I just get fatigued from hearing about. Well, what do you want Hawthorne to say at the moment? What do you want? What do you no, want? Lo- you know what? I loved what Sam Mitchell said um, to the AFL website the other day. He gave a real insight, and this is this is gold sort of stuff from Sam Mitchell about their strategy around rebuilding. Because we're all going from the outside. You're mad. And then Mitchell said, he said, if you have the same strategy as every other club, then you're fighting for the same free agents or the same draft capital at the same time. And there's only a limited in the talent pool that you can bring in. So the clubs that have rebuilt successfully, they've done it when no one else is doing it. And I thought, I might not agree with what Hawthorne have done, but I can see Hawthorne have gone, okay, Melbourne are topping up, Port Adelaide are topping up, Geelong are topping up, Richmond are topping up. North Melbourne are already into a rebuild. Adelaide are four years into a rebuild. If we're the only team rebuilding right now, that's going to give us salary cap space. It's going to give us top access to draft players. We're going to have capital to perhaps try and attract some free agents. So I loved that. Yeah, it's that a dangerous is a, game. I, I, re- rebuilding. I, think but, but give it, you give I it agree 12 with that. months and you'll be saying something completely different. I, I agree with that, but at least we've got the coach going. But you've got okay, to say something. This is... This is the strategy and why we're doing it now. It doesn't mean you would agree with that, and I don't necessarily agree with it. I think they've cut too deep, but Mitchell st- stood up there and gone, it gives us a point of difference when you're rebuilding a list and building a strategy. If you're trying to do what everyone else is doing, the resources are finite. So I'm really confident in the direction that we're going. Of course, he's confident in it, but uh, you know, so, that, so that's what I did. I didn't like that. So it's not I, everything I don't. I think of all the players, Merritt is one that does, that does perform. So maybe maybe it's a bit unlucky to come at Zach this time. Yeah, and it's not it's not individually at Zach. It's just holistically as a club. Because I read his article last year in the Herald Sun when they were turning on. Okay, there's going to be a shift yeah. in Essendon, but there was no shift. I heard McGrath speak really openly and honestly about how they're going to challenge each other, and there was no shift. And then I read it again. I'm like, okay, is Essendon talking again? And that may be harsh. Oh four double three ninety eight eleven sixteen. I won't be changing uh, much on to it, to be honest. Sort of go about it the same way I do and try and uh, lead and inspire my teammates. More, um, probably more off-field, trying to connect with um, with others as much as I can and make the club as um, positive and um, enjoyable as I can and make sure um, make sure we're in the best position, you know, to uh, to have a crack at having some success. That's probably the biggest area of work on off-field for myself. Toby Green there is the new captain of the Giants, standalone captain. Um, there was three of them last year with Kelly and Canelio. The club made the call this week that he would be the sole skipper. That's him speaking to Andy and Gazy uh, on Thursday, on Wednesday, I think it was. And he's sure he's going to tell us about his former teammate shortly. But Kingy, good move from the club. Yeah, great move. Yeah. He's the centre of influence, whether it's on field or you know, or off. He's the one you want to you want to mix with, you want to hear from, you want to learn from. Total star on the field, um, and everyone talks about the suspensions. You know what? That's part of the package. And and there'll be a point this year where he, he may get one or two weeks. You're not going to hang him for that. Mm. I mean, mm. everyone's just waiting for something to happen. But that's who he is, and that's why he is such a star. No better person to tell us about him than our next guest. He's a 325 veteran of the AFL. He's a dual All-Australian. He's a premiership player, and he... Um, Got a lot of possessions. His name is Heath Shaw. Heath, thanks for your time. Thanks for having me on, boys. And King, Toby... that's the smartest thing you've ever said, I reckon. <laughs> um, you're actually backing up someone who's, who's going to get in trouble this year at some point, who's, who's going to be captain of a club. I think that's the most intelligent thing I've heard you say, ever. 
Well, he's he's a chance to get suspended again, Shorey, isn't he? Well, mate, he um he toes the line, Toby, but that's why he's such a good player. And I know people like criticise him. If you're a captain, you have to be a lead. You have to lead by example, and you have to do everything right. I think I don't think that's the the case. I know I know you had a captain back in your day who um who still finds his way getting getting himself in trouble. Um, but he was one of the greatest players of all time. So. Sometimes you have to take the good with the bad. Um, I honestly think that Toby in the last sort of, I'd say probably three years, has grown up um, dramatically in terms of on and off field, um, the way he goes about things, and, and that's why he's captain. Mm. So that, I, I, so I'm interested in just looking back in time a little bit. Your, your first season at the Giants was 2014. That was Toby Green's second. Like to, to now fast forward and think this guy is captain of a club, did you think that would have ever been a reality when you first laid eyes on a young Toby Green? Um, no, probably not, no. Um, Why not? As I said, the last sort of three years he, he's grown up, but he he definitely enjoyed his time um, mm. off-field and he probably hadn't figured it out yet. Um, and a lot of players take a bit of time to actually figure out what it takes to be um, a professional athlete and to make it at that level. You can, I think you can get drafted, you can have, you can be a good player, but um, to be like a great or or a captain of a club, you have to actually figure out what it takes. And um, Toby had an unbelievable first year. And my my first year at the Giants, which was his second, he was playing half full flank. And there were times I think he was he was close to, to being dropped um, because that consistency throughout his performance and probably his off field wasn't there. But um, as you know now, and a lot of people talk about, it, Toby's one of the the best players in the competition because he's so hard to match up on and he's such a competitive beast and um, if you've got that sort of attitude going into games um, there's no doubt that players around him lift a bit more because of the way he goes about things and, and like I said that's why he's captain it's it's nothing against the two other boys that um, are vice now and, and it's not joint I don't really rate the joint captaincy anyway but um, I think that's a pretty good mix of three guys who are going to lead this club. Um, and whether you're captain or you're vice-captain, when you're out in the field or you're at training, I think those guys are going to go about it the same way anyway. So, so if you're still there, Shorey, how would you handle the two that have been effectively demoted? How do you think that they will handle it going forward? Um, oh, I don't think it's, like, it's... It's hard because you obviously... I've no doubt that they'd still want to be... Um, captains of that club um, but for me I think it, it's it's hard to have three guys going out there, I know you're only tossing the coin or you're having a little chat before but when you have that leader and you put him up in front of everyone and he's the guy you look to um, when things get a bit tough and all that it's it's. I think it's just a better like, it's a better situation um, with Cogs and Josh as I said, they're, the, they're extreme athletes and they're extreme professionals they're not going to change the way they go about things. Obviously, um, I think the conversation would have been had with um, the coach and probably the footy manager about what was happening. So they would have known, obviously, before everyone else, but um, they're quality humans. And and like I said, they're going to go about things the same way. And, um, yeah, it'd probably be a little bit disappointing for, for both, but taking that off the shoulders of Cogs, I think he had a great year last year and 
he's going to go to another level this year because he can he can just go about his business and he doesn't have to worry about all the extra stuff that comes with it and all the, the criticism from everyone who is saying he shouldn't be captain. So, mm. um, yeah, for me, he's a, he's a good mate of mine and, and I messaged him the other day and um, there's no doubt he'll have a crack in the year. Were you disappointed to see Taranto and Hopper leave? Oh, me personally, because, yeah, because I, I am like... It's hard. People always ask me, do I, do I prefer my time at Collingwood or the Giants or did I, do I vote for Collingwood or the Giants? And, and it's hard for me to split because I had such good times at, at both clubs um, and I still enjoy watching both clubs. So it is hard. But when I saw that, um, it, it was it's very disappointing because they're, they're two, at their peak, A-grade midfielders. Um, and we always spoke about the Giants, how many midfielders we had. But I think that... that, that it's tested when you, you lose two quality people like that. And it's that's purely like a behind-the-scenes thing. Cause when you get an offer like those guys did and the club you're at probably can't get anywhere near that, um, it makes it a bit hard. And, and obviously the Giants struggled a bit last year and Richmond have probably been in contention this year. So it's not the hardest decision those two would have had to make. But for the club, it is disappointing because um, I think you look over the last sort of three maybe even four years, the players that have left. Um, that wasn't happening when we're up, up the top. So it, it's, it's, it's sad to see. And then hopefully that changes with obviously um, the new coach and a couple of new assistants and all that in there as well. Shorey, are you a believer in the premiership for 2023 for the Magpies? Oh, yeah. I was a... I was definitely a believer last year. I was actually in Sydney for the prelim. Um, it was for Cogs' Bucks party, but um, we managed to find our way to a pub and watch that, that prelim that they lost to, to Sydney. And um, to get that far was an achievement, but you still feel like it's nearly the one that got away again. Playing off in the grand final was only sort of a couple of kicks away. So um, a couple of inclusions there and, and the way they go about things. I think the thing I admired about Collingwood last year is whether up by five or six goals or they're down by five or six goals, they still go about the same way. Um, and that makes for makes it easier for players who aren't the, the smartest people going around, but they could just um, play the same way for 120 minutes no matter what, and you don't confuse them, you just, you just do that. Um, so if they can raise that bar by even 5%, 10% this year, then they're definitely in contention and um, definitely be in the, the top four four chances for a premiership. Do you think four umpires will be good for the game, Shorey? I think one umpire is too much, to be honest. But um, if, if, we make, if it makes their life easier... I'm with you. Did you ever get any Brownlow, you ever get any Brownlow votes, Shorey? <laughs> I, I, I just remember the day. I was away, I, I stopped going to the Brownlow... Um, Giants. I won the best and fairest. I was all Australian and went to the Brownlow and I got zero votes. Um, so I'm like, you know what? Next time, if you want me to go, I'm, I'm just going to politely decline. Um, love, love umpires. They've got, honestly, they've got the toughest gig going around. Um, and if four umpires makes it a little bit easier, then, then so be it. But um, yeah, they're, they're better to be, um, better to be uh, what is it? Not seen. Not impact mm. of the game. The less, the less mm. impact they have on the game, um, the better. And 
no doubt the AFL make their life a little bit harder changing the rules, but um, yeah, it's 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 a tough one. It's always it's always a tough gig. Seven seasons at the Giants and just two Brownlow votes. You're right? robbed. Two. Oh. <laughs> Absolutely oh. robbed. Oh, don't worry, I know that. Um, <laughs> and I still I still blame Big Moldes for that because he's the he's the one that put me on the half back and said, mate, you need to learn how to defend. Um, and I actually played an all right game that first game, and he just left me there um, for nine years at Collingwood, and then obviously seven years at um, the mm. Giants. So I blame him because halfback flanks don't flankers don't get the glory. That's all right. It paid a lot of bills for you, though. That that role across halfback paid a lot of bills for you. Um, before we let you go, you're, you're a big advocate for Supercoach. Who's the one breakout star oh, yes. for your Supercoach team this year? Um, oh, well, obviously, you, if you want a couple of like quality quality cheapies, you know, there's Fife and um, yes. and Hopper are only about three hundred grand, which like it's sort of no brainers. Those guys. A um, little bit of. Little bit of inside information um, up on the Gold Coast with Gold Coast with um, Flanders. Um, I think he's ha- he's having a cracking year. And um, one bit of advice I'll give you, and I actually did some forward planning. Usually, like I don't even know what I'm doing tomorrow, but because we've got the three buys um, throughout the year, which is an absolute nightmare for Supercoach, you need to pick an A grade midfielder from Brisbane, Gold Coast and Melbourne. Because okay. they two of those two of those three teams play in all three of those um, buy rounds. So if you're gonna be putting players in, they're the they're the ones that you need to put in. So um, very technical, sorry, very very technical. But um, I've got some advice around that and so those are the three teams that um, you need to look after. I reckon the planning for. I'd love to hear from the, the uh, a decade ago what your planning was for the buys, not not this model here with the super coach. I wouldn't be going to Bali, that's for sure. But, um, <laughs> exactly I, I definitely right. make the most of a four day break, that's for sure. <laughs> Good on you, Shory. Appreciate your time. It's always a pleasure to catch up. Thanks for joining us. No worries, boys. Thanks for having me on. He's been track-watching Sam Flanders up at the Gold Coast to maybe uh, looking for a breakout season. And if you're a super coach player, make sure you've got an A-grade midfielder from either Brisbane, no, from Brisbane, Gold Coast and Melbourne uh, in your team. He's sure our guest reflecting on uh, Toby Green being announced as skipper. The Friday Agenda. And it's all thanks to WD-40. Register online for the Repair Challenge 2023. On the agenda early this morning in the scramble, Kingy was captivated by England cricket team and basball and the way that they've revolutionised the sport. Is there a lesson that any AFL teams could take into this season on the back of what England have done with basball, Kingy? Well, I think there is. I think that you know, they've challenged the conventions of the game. I know we heard some... Um as Andrew Strauss made a speech last, I think it was a week and a half ago, I just want to just pick some highlights out of this and see if we can transfer some of this cricket intel or, or manoeuvring, if you like, into AFL footy, or is it already here? The coming together of Brendan McCullum and Ben Stokes in May last year has shifted the game of test cricket from its foundations and has asked some fundamental questions of the centuries-old accepted truths of the test format. Firm, uh, format excuse me. If in doubt, bat first has been replaced by, I want to chase in the fourth innings, we can chase anything. Build and innings have been replaced by shoot first and ask questions later. 
see if see off the new ball has been replaced by hit it harder. I can see Johnny there smiling. And bowl maidens and apply pressure has been replaced by forget about the scoreboard and just find a way to induce a mistake. This broadside on the conventions of the game has been confronting to many. The opposition captains have by and large struggled even to utter the word basball without a frothing of the mouth and a scarcely concealed contempt. The pundits and grand old guard of the game has often been left shaking their collective heads at the sheer audacity of this ambition. So that, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about a complete change in the way cricket has, has been accepted that it's going to be played yep. in England and by a non-Englishman. So, so a guy's had to come from New Zealand to, to get that done. So we're looking, at, we're looking at what Geelong did last year. And I think Richmond have done this in a way in the previous five to six years where that, that relentless attack on turnover changed the way teams had to play against Richmond. And I think everyone tried to copy modes of that. But mm. last year, Geelong said, we're going to attack more. We've got to find a way to go from 81 points in 2021. And they eventually effectively kicked or they averaged 99 points last year. A three-goal improvement. And they were prepared to risk the defensive side of the game. But in fact, actually got better. Mm. They actually found different ways to achieve what I think has been the greatest game in the game for some time. Three goals. A three-goal net result is yeah. huge. So it sounds silly to say, is, is the competition now chasing that? That cat's ball model, the way that they attack. And if you from, don't score like that. If you can't score like that, you can't compete this year in a final series. Yeah, That's well, that, the well, level the benef- now. The beneficiaries of that will be us and will be the fans. Like yeah. If everyone's trying to catch up with that, then we're going to win. So Collingwood like, are doing it, I think. Yeah. But, but maybe not so much a clearance, but Mitchell comes in to address I think address Melbourne that. need to do it, and I think Melbourne are capable of doing it. Melbourne are doing it. too safe. They're training have, for it. Yeah. They're training for it. It's, so it's go forward. It's take territory. It's we've got to go, we're going to score, and we're going to trust our, our back six, who are pretty good, to hold up. We're not going to play a style that defends. Mm. We're, we're going to play offensive footy and challenge our back they, six. They call it basball. you got to well, I think I, I think you have to respect that Chris Scott ha, has pioneered this from stoppage. There's not a mode where they can't score. I think it's cat's ball. I mean, that, cat's I, ball. Just who's playing cat's ball? I don't think Brisbane play it. I don't think Port play it. They did once once upon a time. I think Sydney can play it. We saw them do that last year uh, with with delight at the MCG. So at the moment. Who's coming with Geelong with that with that high octane mentality? Let's ponder that. Cat's ball on the Friday agenda. I love it. Thanks to WD forty. Register online for the repair challenge twenty twenty three for a sharing over fifteen grand in prizes.